You're listening to Nourish, Nurture, Breathe, a podcast dedicated to women at all stages of our health and wellness journey. I'm Christy from Christy Lee Nutrition. And I'm Cammie from This Mum's Kitchen. And together, we're here to inspire you with the knowledge and confidence to love into your mind, body, spirit, and lifestyle. Now set aside some time for you and join us on this cup-filling journey. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes released every Wednesday. So let's dive in. Welcome back to Nourish, Nurture, Breathe. This is episode number four, and today we're going to be talking all about how to beat sugar cravings. So I'm here with Cami, of course. And um, we thought this would be a really great topic to talk about because we recently went through a chocolate Easter binge each. We did, <laughs> yeah. we did, totally. And it lasted beyond Easter. <laughs> yes. So we thought maybe some of our listeners went through the same thing. Um, maybe you're still stuck in your chocolate Easter binge. Um, and I guess being COVID-19 at the moment where we are, we're at home, the, the fridge is available with all of our chocolate still sitting in it. Um, we're stressed. Some of us are bored. There's a lot of emotions that are going on right now that might mean that, um, yeah, the chocolate does doesn't end. Yeah, that's right. And and sweet cravings in general, right? Like we've this all this podcast came about really because we were chatting one day, Christy and I, and I think I was out on a morning walk or something like that, and I was explaining how I'd had this series of about eight or nine days when I'd just been resting on chocolate so much um, as a stress response in everything that was happening with COVID-19 and what that meant around, in my case, homeschooling and working from home and managing that juggle and all the tension around the world. And how one day after about nine days, I woke up when I would normally be full of energy and I just felt so flat. Mm, yeah. Um, and there was no doubt in my mind that it was because I'd been, you know, seriously, seriously getting in to the chocolate in a way that I really haven't in a long, long time. Um, and, you know, that brought up the conversation of emotional eating and, and, and this very, very common thing we see in ourselves and also in our clients. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that um, what Cami was experiencing is that, you know, normally she's probably quite a healthy eater and all of a sudden you bring some sugar or something that, um, you know, depresses your sim- your system. All of a sudden your ability to cope, your um, stress levels, the way your energy levels throughout the day just totally change. And when you notice that, you think, my God, like a lot of people are living like this all the time if, if sugar is a common food that's in your diet. Yeah, yeah, that's right. To those, to those sorts of levels, and and in those refined forms, mm. I think. Mm. Um, and so yeah, so from there we started talking about all of these amazing um, topics we're going to talk about today, and how we just imagined that that would be really useful and enlightening for you guys as well at home. So, um, hopefully we've hit the nail on the head there, and this will be an episode yes. you'll enjoy. So we are going to be talking about all things sugar today and some of the common questions that I, I get a lot of questions in my clinic is, I guess, first of all, like, you know, a lot of people think that sugar is really bad. So we really kind of want to debunk that myth 
is all sugar bad or is some sugar okay? Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to go into a bit about specifically sugar cravings and and those really pesky times of the day that they just seem to come up every time, which is for a lot of people that mid-afternoon, 3 p.m. slump Mm -hmm. at work. Um, for me particularly, I notice that it happens at nighttime. Like, oh, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, you it? snuggle up on the couch and, uh, you know, you make a cup of tea. Now that it's getting cooler being Easter, sorry, um, autumn, you, you know, you just want to cozy up and you get a little bit of chocolate with your, your cup of tea. So I'm not really hungry. I know I'm not hungry when I'm doing that. I've just had dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and a lot of pregnant and breastfeeding mums will say they get sugar cravings as well. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we'll dive into a few of the, um, the reasons why this happens. Um, and you're probably then wanting to know, so, okay, I have got a sugar craving now. What do I do about that? How can I get out of that vicious sugar craving circle? Um, and we're just going to finish off on how to enjoy sweets without affecting your health or gaining weight because Cammie and I are big believers in, you know, balance and being able to enjoy all foods. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I guess we'll, we'll kick off with that first point, which is to answer that question, is all sugar bad? And, you know, sugar has had a hell of a lot of bad press recently and so much to the point where... Um, I've been noticing, you know, a massive common um, belief within my circle socially and also professionally with my clients that all sugar is bad. Um, And it's definitely true that um, we do have a sugar problem in in this country, in Australia. Um, Australia is is number five in the world for our consumption of sugar. Um, And I don't think it'd be difficult to guess which country is number one, Mm -hmm. which of course is, is the U.S., um, and as a, as a population, as Australians, we're consuming an average of 95.6 grams of sugar every day. That might not mean anything in grams, but if we say 22 teaspoons, if you imagine, you know, that would be a, a, a significant mountain of sugar that, that we're all consuming um, on average. And so that is actually four times the maximum recommendation set by the World Health Organization, which is a guidance of six teaspoons per day. That's crazy, yeah. isn't it? Like, could you imagine taking 22 teaspoons of sugar, of, you know, table sugar, and adding that to your food or your drinks every day? Yeah, exactly. That's just madness. So yeah. I guess a lot of people were starting to think, well, if I don't add all this sugar, then how am I getting 22 teaspoons of sugar in my diet? Well, that's right. And I mm. think that's where that's where the problem lies. And that's where... Um, we can all take away something from this podcast um, and that's just to be more aware of where sugar is sneaking into our diet mm. when we're just totally unaware because I'm com- you know I'm going to put my hand up and say I don't put even one teaspoon of sugar into anything um, but you know there will be sugars creeping in and in other places and um, and so it's just about being mindful about you know the food industry um, and how it uses sugar as an additive um, as a preservative um, and you know just in ways to sort of hit that sweet spot mm. um, in terms of food science and food technology as well 
Um, and it's really addictive, isn't it, Christy? Absolutely. I mean, and that's why I guess a lot of people have that belief that sugar is is bad for us because, you know, we have heard about it being likened to, you know, really hard drugs like heroin and cocaine and I guess caffeine kind of falls into that as well, that it stimulates that part of the brain where addiction is, you know, it, it lives, I suppose. So it has this kind of vicious circle. It it creates desire. Um, it You seem to not be able to ever satisfy it as well. It's like a it's like a tolerance. Your tolerance just keeps going up and up and up, and no amount of sugar will satisfy that sugar craving. Yeah, and that's actually something quite primitive in us. And it's mm. one of those... Um, sort of survive mechanisms, survival mechanisms that we have from our, you know, times as early humans, you know, similar to fight or flight and, you know, these other responses that we have, which are really primitive. And our, what's really interesting is that we as humans don't actually have any off switch, any, mm. any natural satiation point with sugar. Um, and a common belief which I really um, resonate with is that if we imagine back to, you know, Paleolithic times, early humans, um, the opportunity for sugar was few and far between. And so when you found, for example, a bee's nest that was uninhabited for some mm. miracle, you know, there were no bees, <laughs> you weren't going to get stung to death while you were, you know, Gorging reaching your yourself. hands in to get the honey and sucking on the honeycomb. <laughs> Um, so you've gorged and gorged and gorged and your body is biologically set to allow you to gorge. Just eat and eat and eat. Eat and eat and eat. Because you, you don't know when your next meal will come. This is your opportunity to get as much energy in as possible because that's going to extend your chance of surviving. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the same with sweet seasonal fruit. You know, there might have been more abundance in summer. So we're biologically set to eat and eat and eat that fruit while it's on the tree mm. and while it's ripe because in winter... There's not, not only, much. Exactly. Not yeah. only is there not much fruit, there's not much in, in, in general. It's funny how, though, in modern times, winter time, people tend to put on an extra few kilos because we're cold and we just want to eat comfort food. But going back to those times, you think about winter and what's available, what's growing in season, it's really minimal. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm. And I think that that's the thing. You've totally hit the nail on the head there, Christy, because now... In our modern times, in our times of the industrialization of food and the globalization of food and the packaging and the pre-packaging, the factory making of food, you know, now sugar is in everything. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, as nature intended, sugar obviously comes in a far more complex form than mm. table sugar. We're going to talk about the differences there as well in a moment. But it's also that, you know, it just wasn't everywhere. It wasn't in everything. And now we have things like our bread has sugar in it. You know, yeah. our crackers have sugar in it. Savory sauces have have sugar in them. And a, and a lot, you know, really a lot. And that's where the, um, you know, those tablespoons are piling up. Exactly. Yep. And so I guess, like, most people are thinking at the moment, we're thinking about that white sugar, like table sugar. And the truth is that sugar isn't actually just table sugar or sugar cane. Um, it comes in so many different forms and it actually comes in a lot of really healthy foods that maybe some people aren't aware. So if you think of any plant-based food, it has sugar in it. it it's like it's the basic um, start of a carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. So a sugar is a very simple carbohydrate. It's often just one or two units. Um, whereas a carbohydrate is like a really long chain of sugar units and, and forms things what we call more like starches. Um, so you'll find sugar in things like grains and 
beans, lentils, vegetables, fruits, and of course, like, you know, Cammy and I are gonna talk about these foods so often because these foods are so healthy for us. Um, and, and, and we need it, we need sugar. I mean, I yeah. think that's the, that's the myth to debunk is that, you know, even, even massively, you know, successful businesses that have talked about completely eliminating sugar, the truth is, they're not. No, and, you can't. And they mustn't. If you were on a no sugar diet, technically you'd be on a no plant based diet because you can't have no sugar. It, I guess, like when you see things like I quit sugar, no one actually quits sugar. You're yeah. still eating sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they mean you're, I quit table sugar. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I quit refined and hidden sugars. Yes. And in that respect, <laughs> I am a number one fan. <laughs> exactly. So let's just. Um, briefly talk about the different types of sugar and, and naturally occurring sugar. So there are many different types of sugar and generally on an ingredients label, if you just look for a word ending in os, that generally means a sugar. So the most commonly um, labelled ones are things like fructose and then you've also got glucose and sucrose, which is the table sugar and also maltose. So when unprocessed, sugar in its naturally occurring form, and I think unprocessed here is, is the word to underline, and this also translates into non-refined or unrefined sugars. So when sugars haven't been messed around with in some sort of food-producing capacity, um, they actually come alongside a variety of really rich and beneficial vitamins enzymes, proteins, antioxidants, and polyphenols. And polyphenol, you'll hear us talk a lot about um, these wonderful phytochemicals which um, bring the colour into our, into our fruits and veg and our plant-based foods. And they also come um, you know, intertwined with loads of beautiful minerals which are really, really beneficial for our health. I would go as far as to saying totally integral to our health. And, and part of a diverse and varied and abundant um, plant-heavy diet. So, um, sort of as to sum it up, sugar is definitely not something to be afraid of, and it's definitely not the devil. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think yeah. that's it. It's it's the way that Mother Nature created it for us. It, it creates. It, she created like this little package, and and that influences the way we digest it, the way we metabolize it, and it's completely different when you have a sugar that's got a fiber coating it's got vitamins and minerals and enzymes that come with it it's going to deliver it to our body in a really um, gradual in a really um, nourishing yeah. way yeah and, and in a gentle way a gentle, gentle slow release yeah exactly and and I think that um, a lot of we might be thinking about sugar as table sugar but when you taste anything that's sweet, we're finding these simple sugars or simple carbohydrates there. So like fruit is very sweet, so it's got a, a high amount of simple carbohydrates, simple sugars, um, some vegetables and milk, which has lactose. So that's another type of um, sugar. And then when, you when, when you're thinking about, okay, the difference between a simple sugar and a carbohydrate, a long chain carbohydrate, I like to use the example of fruit versus, say, brown rice. So mm -hmm. your fruit, it tastes sweet. It's got a lot of those sugars. And then when you look at a starchy food like brown rice, but also things like bread or pasta, we're looking at more of those really complex carbohydrates. So they're, they're very similar chemically, but they're um, some, like you have the short versus the long version. So 
carbohydrates are not to be feared as well. I think that's another one that comes up a lot in my consults too, yeah. I'm sure with you. Yeah. A lot of people cutting carbs, afraid of carbs. Um, they've definitely taken on, I think sugar was definitely the first one and now carbs now are the carbs. devil. Yeah. 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 Um, so what we're saying here is that um, we want to be limiting those refined and added sugars. And, and Cammy mentioned before, like, why are we adding all of these into our foods? And it, she was talking about what's called like the bliss point before. Mm. It's like this perfect um, amount of sugar in your food. It's not too sweet, um, but it's just got enough sweetness that it just feels great in your mouth. It tastes great. Um, it makes you want more. It's, that's right. It's, it's yeah. that perfect point. And it's, it was actually named by a food scientist in the US as the bliss point when he was, you know, employed by large corporations to design food that would create addiction. Mm. And um, it's it's that perfect it's that perfect point between just sweet enough but not too sweet. Beautiful, yeah. So you always want more. And um, you know, that bliss point sort of um, formula is used in all sorts of different foods and it can be anything you know also in really unexpected types of foods like um, canned veg crackers sauces breads jams spreads dips muesli bars cereals I mean it just goes on and on where they mightn't there be using the bliss point because that's for you know sweet foods like desserts and fizzy drinks but they'll definitely be using sugar in there um, for other reasons and, and as an additive mm. and a preservative and um, and also you know to get you wanting more just for that dopamine effect that we were talking about earlier so it's even things that are considered you know to be healthy mm. quote-unquote snacks for kids lunch boxes like fruit rolls jellies sesame snaps a lot of the packaged yogurts and of course soft drinks and juices that mm. can be really really sugar laden and that's yeah. where those teaspoons and teaspoons of of hidden sugars and refined sugars there are, are creeping in and even that health food aisle like i mean i think when we go to the supermarket the health food aisle should be the fruit and vegetable section shouldn't yeah. it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why there's a, an aisle for health food because when you go down it, a lot of those foods are packaged number one mm-hmm. number two they've got a lot of added sugars a lot of hidden um additives preservatives that go into them as well so a lot of them are not actually health foods that we should be having a lot of. Yeah, yeah. And it just mm. takes a simple Google. I mean, if this has sparked any curiosity, because of the, you know, um, low sugar movement and, and, and no sugar movement, there's actually really readily available information now about the sugar content in a lot of our, um, you know, most preferred foods here in Australia. So you can definitely, you know, start to be a little bit curious about what you're buying and about um, any of the packaged um, snacks, especially um, cereals and mm. drinks. I think drinks are a huge culprit here. Hugely, yeah. If any, Go and have a look at any of those iced coffees. They are just full of sugar. I think I pulled out the example the other day with a client that um, a dare iced coffee has 45 grams of sugar in a serve. So it's a 500 ml serve and it, that's about half of that that Australian intake that we were just yeah. talking about before. So that's 10.7 teaspoons of sugar just in one drink. Yeah, and then you've got to think about also how quickly mm. you consume a drink. And I think that's something as well to be... We're going to talk about the, the effect of sugar on our glucose levels 
now, we're leading into that part now. And I think especially, you know, when we talk about, when we're thinking of that refined sugars are going to spike our glucose levels, create that sugar high and then that sugar slump. Mm. And if you also add to that, that you're actually drinking as opposed mm. to eating. So you don't even have that, you know, that... Um, chewing or anything like that mechanical something that stops that's you gonna, slows you down slows you down and you don't you're not able to feel that fullness from mm. the fiber and all the other nutrients that are, that are in the the sweet thing if it's a whole food like an example i talk about often with clients um is juice you know mm. um juice is one of those things that i i think we really consume too much of especially our kids and if you think about how many oranges, for example, it takes to make a glass of orange juice, and even like a freshly squeezed orange juice, you know, not talking about things from concentrate with refined sugars added in, just the pure juice, you know, that's going to take at least four or five oranges. Absolutely, yeah. And could you sit down and eat four or five oranges within about 30 seconds? You could not. You no. would feel sick by the end of it. And that, if, like, the orange was designed by Mother Nature with the fibre included, and when you go and process that, I guess juicing is a type of processing, we're removing the fiber and therefore it's it's not in its natural condition where our body's going to utilize it in the way it's supposed to. It's mm. going to absorb very, very quickly, cause a massive sugar spike because we can absorb, we can absorb a liquid very quickly. It's going to move very quickly through our gut. Mm. Um, and then you're going to be looking for more afterwards because yeah. it was a quick in and a quick out. Yeah, and it's definitely mm. not satisfied um, any hunger or anything like that. Um, so when we, so when we talk about sugar spikes, basically what this means is that we have a blood glucose level, which our, um, bodies, um, namely our pancreas with something called insulin works really hard to keep at a steady level. And when we consume, um, refined sugars, what that does, because it's so easy for our body to convert that sugar to energy is that we spike, it sends our blood sugar levels sky high but then because it's not a slow release there's nothing left mm. we slump yeah and that's where we can get into that real seesaw of i just had something you know an hour ago now i want more and now i want more and now i want mm. more and that's where a lot of this um i guess the the physical need for the sugar um, yeah, comes from. Exactly. Whereas when we're having it in its natural form, it's a lot more slow release, isn't it, Christy? Yep, exactly. So some of our listeners might have heard of something called glycemic index. Yeah, and GI. GI, yeah. So you might see on um, packaged foods, low GI. They'll never tell you if it's a high GI food because yeah. <laughs> most companies won't be wanting to advertise something negative about their product. So, I mean, that's a good hint right there. So high GI... How I like to explain it to clients is that um, some a, a sugar that is quite refined will send your blood sugar levels high, and that is a high GI carbohydrate. So that kind of rings together. And a low GI carbohydrate is something that goes low and slow in its digestion and the way that it changes your blood sugar level as well. Yeah, that's right. And what we're aiming for is to have a blood sugar level that's pretty constant. So you can also sort of you don't want a really low blood sugar level either and that can happen when you go for too long without eating for example you can feel that real loss of energy and that's potentially because your blood sugar has gone too low so we don't want it to go too low from mm. from you know starving ourselves or waiting too long between meals and um, we also don't want it to go too high 
from eating too much um, refined carbohydrate and refined sugars because either way our body's going to be working in overdrive to try and regulate it and basically what we want is a is a constant, a constant blood sugar yeah. level and our bodies are quite capable of managing that they will they will see when our blood sugar levels go high they'll bring it back down and if it's going too low they'll bring it back up and and they use insulin to help um, manage that um, but with really long-term highs and lows mm-hmm. and highs and lows like a constant abuse of the blood sugar level that's where we start to see problems like insulin resistance coming on and then insulin resistance leads to type 2 diabetes yeah and well I think most people have heard of type 2 diabetes by now because I think it's the number four top disease I think in the country for sorry cause of death I should mm. say yeah, so it's massive. I mean, diabetes is affecting a huge portion of our population at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I mean, there's also lots of other, um, you know, chronic diseases that are that are related to too high sugar consumption. And of course, we've also got obesity, mm. um, which is, you know, on the rise globally. And in my mind, the culprit is the hidden sugars. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, diabetes um, is a massive concern globally, isn't it, really? But sugar is related to so much as a, I guess, as a root cause of, of a lot of symptoms. And this includes inflammation, which we know is the underlying cause of many chronic diseases. And of course, it's also directly linked with obesity and, and, and hormonal disruption. And, um, you know, a lot of the time, it's something as simple, I find... With clients who are coming in um, with weight loss as a goal, you know, a lot of the time if we just do some real eye-opening in terms of what manufacturers are putting into our food and we look at food labels and we do a bit of simple maths into, you know, what those gram numbers on the back of the packet actually translate to in teaspoons and we use that six um, teaspoons a day per adult as the upper limit you know, people are astounded by just doing, yeah, 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 and and that's just such a simple thing to do. So to basically to transform that gram um, number into teaspoons, all you have to do is divide it by four point two, and then also, but just be really mindful of the portions because I find companies can be really mm-hmm. cheeky. You know, especially stuff like packaged cereals, the the gram weight for a portion, as they would call it, like a serve is way smaller really than small. Yeah. 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 I think, um, and that reminds me of, I guess, the star rating, which came in a few years ago. And unfortunately, the, this system was a voluntary system to help people understand labels, understand if they're having a healthy product. But companies were being really shifty about serve sizes. And I think Milo really copped it because they had their serve size as one teaspoon of Milo in a glass of skim milk. Mm-hmm. And they and they did a nutrition analysis of that and it was it gave it I think four or four and a half stars, which is completely wrong because Milo in itself, the actual product, is actually very, very high in sugar. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. And you know, we can all see our kids, kids in the community piling in the teaspoons of tablespoons (laughs) i think look if i'm gonna make a milo and i'm gonna enjoy it i'm gonna get a two tablespoon serving going on (laughs) yeah 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 and so it's it's not to say you know let's just reiterate our point it's not to say we can't be having these Mm. foods it's just to be mindful and aware and and to take back that decision making capacity 
and that empowerment of mm. actually knowing the food that we're eating and knowing the um you know the choices that we that we have and looking at it in a really I guess um complete way of saying okay I I am aware of what mm-hmm. is in my food and so I'm going to make these choices and know that whatever I'm putting into my body is is something that I have actively decided to do um, and that can be really tricky without, you know, turning the packet over and having a really good look at the ingredient label. Exactly. Yep. And I guess some other things that people might not be aware of in terms of sugar's impacts, it can impact things like Alzheimer's disease, which is um, like a memory deficit or like it's like an extended, um, extended stage of dementia. Things like increased blood pressure, asthma, um, getting uh, dental caries. Um, and disrupting your gut microbiome, which we talked about in our latest episode. Episode number two, was it? I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Starting to lose track where I am. <laughs> um, so there's so many, uh, you know, aspects of our health that are impacted by having too much sugar. And, and as Cami said, the more um, informed we are about where these sugars are, the more informed we can make our decisions about what foods we choose to eat. Um, yeah. And it's it's worth knowing that, Um, labeling in Australia doesn't show a breakdown of naturally occurring versus added sugars, Mm -hmm. which is so frustrating because like a great example is something like milk. Milk contains natural lactose, but most people will be looking at the label, seeing how um, it says sugar and that there's a number next to that thinking, oh my God, the manufacturers are adding sugar into my milk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you go and read the ingredient list, it'll just say milk. Yeah. So... That I, I would love to see in future that we start having our nutrition panels labeling added versus naturally occurring sugars. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Like, you know, we can only hope that with more awareness around the world, then um, you know that could be something that we can look forward to. It is a good idea to be just talking about the ingredient list. Absolutely, and Christy's so right there because the nutritional breakdown and the ingredient list is something very different. Um, but knowing how to navigate that ingredient list can be really helpful as well mm. in, in sort of um, you know seeing where 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 companies may be potentially trying to pull the wool over our eyes um, and there are many different ways to list sugar um, you know some are, are dextrose all those o's words that we talked about before beet sugar brown sugar cane juice crystals um, fruit juice concentrate mm. golden syrup and you know even things like honey which is obviously if it's unprocessed and raw um then i would be going ahead and saying that i believe it's a it's a good food to mm. to incorporate into our diet but just to be aware of its sugar content as well so if we're then you know having all these hidden sugars in our other foods and drinks then you know that beautiful natural honey that we're having on our toast in the morning and um, it's only adding to that counter and mm. um, so that's where that just knowledge and empowerment really comes into it again and we'll list a full list of those um those words to look out for those terms in our show notes and it really also depends on whereabouts it appears in that ingredient list as well isn't mm. it because so they the company has to list the ingredient from biggest to smallest yes. So what, what is making up most of this product will start in the list and the very least amount in the product is at the very end. So if you see sugar, dextrose, you know, uh, maltodextrin, 
honey, fruit juice, concentrate, all of those words, if they're appearing really high up in the list, very early in the list, you know that they're making up a large portion of that product. Yeah. But if they're all the way at the end, like, you know, one of the very last ingredients, it's making up such a small portion of that food product that it might not be a big concern. Um, and you do see this a lot in, say, like mueslis. It's, that's such a confusing group of foods because you get some mueslis that are very processed and they use a lot of sugar. And you get others that just have dried fruits added in. And that's actually it. They don't have other sugars that they've added. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at the list of, sorry, the um, nutrition panel, the sugar will be quite high. So it's working out, is this coming from a really unnatural, unhealthy source? How much is in it? And, and it's kind of pulling all of these, this knowledge together to decide if that's a food that you want to have in your diet. Yeah, yeah. So what is it? So we've talked about how to how to look out for hidden sugars, how to balance the information on the back of the packet. And that really is, um, you know, where it's at, I believe, in, in terms of taking control of our sugar consumption. And, and it might seem overwhelming at first, but I think that last tip that Christy just shared is really a fantastic one to start off with, is, you know, have a look at the ingredients list and check out what those first one to five ingredients are um, and you know and and if the ratios are seeming pretty pretty you know, spot on for you then you're probably gonna be onto a good thing um, and then also use that wonderful formula 4.2 divided by 4.2 the sugar grams and that will be your number of of teaspoons for you right there um, now that we've had a look at sort of where sugar can be hidden and and what it does within our bodies let's have a little um, dive into why we might be experiencing what we call sugar cravings and um, what they can be related to and then we can have a look at um, some practical techniques of, of how to help with those and I think the first thing I'd like to share here is that I sort of have a bit of an issue with the words with the phrase sugar craving because I, I feel like it trivializes it a little bit mm. and we've we've talked about you know, the highly addictive profile of sugar and how it is chemically extremely similar to a highly addictive drug like cocaine. Um, and, you know, that's something that's not to be sort of um, underplayed, I don't think. And I find that a lot of the time with clients who have a sweet tooth and, and who are struggling with their, their sugar consumption and their desire to eat sugar, you know, they sort of put it down to, oh, I just don't have willpower, I can't, mm. I can't stop. I'm so much gonna... self-blame. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, 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 you know, that's just not fair, really, on ourselves. I think, let's be honest about the addictive profile of sugar, about how it is everywhere, and how, with e without even knowing it, you know, most of us are probably consuming way more than we, than we feel we do. And so to give ourselves that kindness in understanding that, you know, what we are trying to do is to break a pretty addictive habit, mm -hmm. um, especially if you're at that stage where you're noticing that you do call for sugar at particular times in the day or at multiple times in the day, um, and, you know, just give yourself that, that permission and that kindness to understand just how much of um, a powerful thing you are, you are dealing with. Um, so, yeah, so please, if this is you, you know, if, 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 you, if you have, quote unquote, sugar cravings, if, if you find it really hard not to eat sugar, um, please know that it's not, you know, it's not about willpower. Um, it's about 
a lot more than that and, and, and a much fuller, more holistic picture mm. than that for sure. And even as Cami and I said in the beginning, like we even fell, you know, we fell for it. We succumbed to the sugar craving yeah. even at Easter time. So, you know, no one is exempt from this. No one has superpowers against sugar it's super addictive and and we know that when you come you try to get off sugar it can cause things like withdrawal symptoms similar to drugs yeah um, I know a lot of people try to reduce their caffeine intake and they get a really similar response so mm-hmm. it's tough but we've got lots of ideas to help you get through it yeah yeah that's mm. right that's right that's absolutely right so I guess the first thing to have a look at is is when you are calling for sugar when it mm. is in your in your day um that that sugar starts to come on onto you know onto the forefront of your mind and very common times are um in the night time after dinner as as christy mentioned before i know that's definitely when i put my hand up and if i'm if i'm in a stressful place or something like that then that is when i would be going for sugar and um, or at least wanting to go for sugar and mm. then reaching into my toolkit and finding something else to, to do <laughs> instead most of the time. But then, as we said, you know, not always. Um, and then another one is like a mid-afternoon and also mid, mid-morning mid slump, I find, um, that they can be pretty common. Mm. So these could be due to all sorts of things. Um, one of them, you know, actually could be hunger. And that's probably due to that, you know, a bit of a blood glucose slump. Maybe you haven't eaten, you know, frequently enough or enough when you're eating. I find it can also happen um, often with people who are trying to adopt a low-carb diet. Mm, um, And they just get low, don't they? Yeah, Yeah. and and think about it. Like, think about that mid-afternoon slump. That's, you know, if you're having your lunch around 12 o'clock, 12, 1 o'clock, 3, 4 p.m. is actually when you should be hungry again. It's very natural and normal to have your stomach empty and then you looking for something next to eat about three or four hours after a meal. Mm -hmm. And if you're starting to let it go beyond that to sort of the five to six hours since you've had a meal, then you're going to be really ravenous. Like the sugar cravings are going to go really high because your body's blood sugar level is dropping so low that it needs something fast, Mm -hmm. right? So what do you think the fastest source of energy is sugar like that's going to satisfy your blood sugar craving your blood sugar needs faster than any other food yeah that's absolutely right and so that's that going back to that thing of it's not just about willpower is it something really deep and biochemical going on there as well so something a really easy thing to do is to make sure you've got healthy snacks available and that your meals are substantial enough um, that they are going to actually satiate you. Having real problems saying that way, yeah. um, you know, and, and and make you feel satisfied after a meal. And what, um, and what about it? Like, I guess at night time, like after dinner, we're not really hungry, are we? No, that's right, and that's when all the other factors come in. Yeah. Isn't it? And in my um, coaching certification, we we talk about um, the circle of life, and that's basically everything that is off the plate. So in having talked about hunger just now, and as we say, you know, the fact that if you wait for long periods of time between meals, it's perfectly natural to feel hungry and, and for your body to need something, um, you know, to help it perk up those the, that blood glucose level. Um, everything else is what we talk about as in off the plate. And so that can be things like, boredom so maybe you're just bored you know you've been sat at the desk for a long time doing the same job 
maybe just you know you just want something to to flip to flip the activity and and do something else and it's the easiest thing to do is just reach into your handbag and get that music something to do yeah yeah something to do and really like tv although we think watching tv at night time is doing something it's actually quite a boring activity for our brain because Mm. it's not stimulating our brain we're just taking information in we're not having to then think problem solve and then respond Mm. so we're sitting there actually quite bored and we're starting to then get snacky I call it snacky like you go you go to the like cupboard and you're like "Mm, what can I have Mm because you're actually super bored um, yeah, yeah, and you're looking for some sort of outlet output that you're going to be yeah. doing. What's yeah. going to be nice? What's going to make me feel good? And and I guess that's where like we jump into then emotional eating mm-hmm. because food makes you feel good. It's got that like you know that um, happiness feel. It gets your dopamine and your serotonin firing up in your brain. You might associate food with um, a certain place or time or things so it's got that nostalgia that has an emotion that tied in with it yeah totally Mm. and that's where that sort of circle of life comes in and it's and it is everything and it's definitely um you know totally encapsulated by the term you know emotional eating for sure and so can we we can be thinking about all of our emotions you know maybe we're feeling stressed maybe we're Mm. feeling sad maybe we're feeling lonely maybe we're feeling unloved Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we're feeling that you know guilty about something. Um, maybe we're feeling tired. Maybe I, I I know a lot of the you know a lot of myself included, early mums. You know, with with young babies, when you're going through that time of really poor sleep, mm. really broken sleep. Um, you know, there's actually the hormone that gets switched off. What's it called? What's it called? Oh, le- you're talking about leptin, perhaps. Yes. But actually, from being tired, it lowers your leptin levels. And, and that's your appetite-suppressing you, hormone. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And causes yep. you to actually eat more. Yes. Um, and so sleep is a major, major factor in, um, in our food relationship as well, for sure. Absolutely. Like, think of any time you haven't slept well, you... You didn't get your your normal eight perhaps hours that you do that you normally aim for. The next day, how hungry are you? You're looking for food. You spend the day just sort of clawing your way through. You're really tired, and so you're looking for these little pick me ups throughout the day. It will just give you that energy boost back. But really, we can't replace sleep with food. It doesn't mm-hmm. really do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally right. Mm. And so when we're looking at practical ways to to deal with food cravings and specifically um, for this case with with sugar cravings. Both Christy and I, we, of course, we can work with clients to think of alternatives to, you know, the the chocolate bar or the the Coke can or whatever it may be. But actually the real secret to alleviating cravings and emotional eating is to dig a lot deeper, isn't it? Yeah, get down to that root cause. Like, why are you getting a sugar craving? And the first place to really start here, Cammie and I both use, is something like an eating awareness diary or a mindful eating journal. There's so many different names for this type of thing. And it's not your standard food diary where you're calorie counting. We're actually looking at what we're eating and what are the triggers for that eating cue. Is it that is it a certain time of day that we typically get those sugar cravings? Is it um, a person that we are spending mm. time with? 
an environment like a, a work environment or a home environment or perhaps we're actually quite hungry so these journals will often have like a scale of 0 to 10 to help you understand how hungry you are before you're eating and how full you and satisfied you feel afterwards because mm -hmm. sometimes we're looking for sugar because we're trying to lose weight or we're trying to be healthy we eat something really unsatisfying maybe it's a low carb meal not always um, and then we're actually just still looking for something else like we're not really satisfied so uh, you know bringing awareness to your why and and spending time in understanding that root reason for your sugar craving helps to then provide the answer to the problem because as Cami said if if it is that you um, you know you're bored maybe we need to look at changing up your task we need to give you some new stimulation um, perhaps if you're tired maybe we need to be looking at what time you're going to bed what time you wake up and how long you're sleeping for mm. um, perhaps it's it's an emotional reason like if you're noticing in this awareness diary that you tend to get sugar cravings when your boss turns up at your desk with a new deadline or something at work so we need to then look at stress management practices to help you um, manage that because realistically like Food is a coping mechanism, but it's not the answer and it's never going to be the solution. If anything, we end up feeling worse afterwards. Yeah, that's right. You, yeah, you, you start then either feeling guilty about the fact that you had that sugary food or it just kind of, it just feeds back into it. It, it elevates your blood sugar level. And if, you, if you've already got stress or high blood pressure, we're just kind of exacerbating the problem. Mm, mm, mm. And, and I think, I think that that's, yeah, that's just totally the key. And it comes back to that premise of, of filling your cup and giving yourself the permission to take some time to be self-aware, to value your own self-worth, and to value the importance of really understanding you, for you, where you're at. And I know, speaking first person, with one hat on as a health coach and another hat on as a busy working mum, that one of the first things that we can let go of is that time for self-awareness, mm. self-kindness, and you know, loving into our own self-worth. But really having something like... A food diary, which isn't, as Christy said, it's not about your calories um, at all. It's about the emotions that you're feeling and the levels of hunger that you're feeling on a mind, body, spirit level every time you eat. And what we talk about is, is really tuning into how your mind feels when you're going for that food how your body feels. So that's that's listening into your into your tummy. Are you hungry? Is paying attention to your hands? Are they feeling jittery? Are they feeling sweaty? Mm. Are you feeling nerves? How are your shoulders? Are they tense? Um, how's your face? You know, how's your mouth? You know, how easy it is how easy is it to smile? And then thinking about your spirit as well. So how are you feeling on the inside? How is that interaction or that person or that deadline? Um, made you feel and what is that connection where is that connection between whatever's just happened there mm. or whatever frequently happens there or habitually happens there and what you're reaching for and how hard is it to check in with all of that when we're in front of the tv while we eat mm. or when we're at our desk when we're eating or 
you know, so it's, we actually need to set ourselves up for success here, don't we? We need to actually have our meals, have, you know, a sweet treat if we would like it, but have it really mindfully in a situation where we're undistracted, where we can check in with all of these parts about ourselves and, and, and ask us the, ourselves those questions before we dive into something. Yeah, totally. And that's where I think a great recommendation can be just around the mindful eating in, in general can be to um, firstly, don't eat standing up, but also um, just don't eat while doing anything else. Mm. Um, you know, if we're trying to beat sugar cravings, to bring that mindfulness into it and to be present in it while you're eating, it really helps to have that be what you're doing. So, you know, don't be snacking on something while typing away at the desk or while watching television, mm. like, like Christy was saying, but have it be something you stop what you're doing for, you sit down and you enjoy and then that's actually what you're there to do. You know, you're not absentmindedly digging into something mm. while your mind is somewhere else. Yep. And you'll just enjoy it so much more because when you're really present while you're eating, you really are involved in what it tastes like, what it feels like in your mouth, the satisfaction that it gives you in your tummy. You're, you're so aware and you become more satisfied by the end. And I think we can all resonate with, um, you know, if you've ever been to the movies and you're, you're having popcorn or something and like before you know it, it's empty, but you don't feel like you ate any of it. Mm, mm. And so you, you, you didn't actually enjoy any of that. You just kind of mindlessly munched away at it um, without getting that joy or satisfaction from it. Yeah, yeah. And then you also have to ask yourself that question. Do I want to stop what I'm doing right now yeah. to eat? Maybe yeah. the answer's no. Maybe the answer's no. You might say, no, actually, I'm really busy. Maybe it's, yeah, not really worth me stopping. Yeah, or maybe it's mm. not around food. Maybe what I need to do is mm. stop and, you know, go and have a walk or, or go and call my girlfriend or, yeah. you know, whatever that might be. Um, I definitely think that when um, people are, are dealing with, with significant sort of sugar addiction, sugar cravings, um, there are two avenues we can go down in terms of, of helping them through that. And I find that um, those two avenues are the people who would like to go cold turkey, so who feel that what was going to work for them is eliminating sugar entirely from their diet for a set period of time. Um, and I've actually found that some clients then just actually pretty much don't go back. Mm. Um, and they feel that if they do, you know, they could they could flip that switch um, back into leaning on sugar um, in a way that they don't want to. And of course, the other avenue is a far more gentle sort of um, reduction of sugar levels. And that's where we'd be looking at, you know, um, making sure that you're eating at regular times, having healthy snacks available and eliminating from your diet those hidden sugars and, and highly refined sugars and at least not to be having them on a regular mm. basis. Just, and that's really personal, isn't it? And it's it, a decision yeah. the person has to make. It depends on your personality. I, I meet people who come in and you can tell straight away that they're an all or nothing personality. They're just that type of person who, when they start something, they just do it and they just go really hard at it. Um, they don't seem to want to, in the beginning at the, at the very least, um, do a kind of half job of it. Mm. Whereas other people, and I'm probably more in this other basket, I think personally, I think I would just feel like 
everything just becomes a forbidden fruit in that circumstance. I cut everything out and now I just want it even more. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's really, you know, for, for you guys listening at home, it's, it's really for you to decide where you sit in that camp. Um, in, in which camp I should say and and again to just spend some some time being self-aware um, loving into your self-worth and that this really does matter it's an important thing for you to spend time understanding and then deciding on you know the, the, the best ways that you can go if you do decide you know that you want to go cold turkey and, and, and you want to eliminate those refined sugars you know full stop um, you know Ways to do that, of course, are to eliminate things like your fizzy drinks, any sort of pre-bought confectionery. Um, look at definitely look at the ingredient labels for things like packaged crackers and things like that. And there are, are options you can be buying in the stores which are you know without the addition of of copious amounts of of added sugar. Um, and of course that you know goes mm. across to candy and ice cream and lollies and all of that um with the hope that then once you've gone you know your four to six weeks um without that that sugar intake that then when you do want some you can just have a little bit and that that be satisfying for you yep exactly and i guess if then you're wanting to go with more of the gradual attempt like cami said you want to be having regular meals and snacks you especially you want to have a healthy snack on hand because when you think about your day and, and how often um, your stomach empties and when you'll get hungry again, the, the time between lunch and dinner is really long. Mm. Like, it can, you know, if you're having 12, 1 o'clock lunch, your dinner might not be till 6, 7, perhaps even as late as 8. You know, so we need to have a snack right in the middle there. And having something that's ready, it's on hand, um, it's yummy, you're going to be more likely to choose that as opposed to diving in for a biscuit or a cookie. Yeah, totally. Um, and, it, and it doesn't mm. necessarily even have to be savoury. No. You, know? um, you can be very gentle with yourself um, and and mix it up. You know, some some lovely whole food snacks. I mean, I'm a huge nut eater. So, mm. um, and I love nuts in every way. I love them for their flavour. I love them for their nutritional density. I love them for their diversity. I also love them for how well they go with dates. Yes, so. <laughs> that, that peanut butter and dates, yeah. I feel like that is just one of the best snacks. Yeah, I wish more people would try it. I've told so many clients about that one, but yeah. everyone kind of looks at me a bit funny. <laughs> no, but when you get into it, you know, it's, um, it, it is wonderful. And of course, there's going to be those of you at home listening, oh, but, you know, dates are full of sugar, and, and they are. They're a high fructose fruit. There's no doubt about that. Mm. Um, but coming complete with the fibre, with yep. all the abundance of goodness that Mother Nature gave it, um, you know, enjoying a medjool date, with some natural peanut butter in the middle, um, or you know, with some whole nuts. Even sometimes I just stuff them into the center of the date. Mm, you know, at that three four o'clock, that can be all you need. And just as long as you're not, you know, going for four or five dates at a time. You know, mm. you just have one date with lots of nuts if you need a little bit more, something like that. That can be really delicious and sweet if you mm. if you find that you want something sweet at that time of day. Other things, obviously, whole fruit. I, mean, I find in the summer, you know, the stone fruit, it's so, so sweet. Mm, um, and melon and, and things like that. You can definitely be having that to satisfy your sweet your sweet tooth without actually giving any of that refined, mm. you know, really simple um sugar that's gonna that's gonna 
spike your levels as, as table sugar would. Some of the best snacks are just one to maximum three ingredients. Mm. So, you know, a fruit is just one ingredient. You could put that with nuts or you could put it with a yogurt. Mm. And it's just a really simple combination of foods that is really delicious. And something that um, Cammy's doing there when she's talking about like putting, say, nuts with um, fruit is she's changing the that glycemic index, yeah. yeah, she's she's making it low GI. When you when you add protein or fats or fibers in with a sugar or a carbohydrate, it lowers that GI, which is a little trick. I'm not going to go into detail about that, but when you put yogurt with fruit, it will be longer and more satisfying in your belly. Mm-hmm. Um, when you put nuts with fruits, when you put even like um, any kind of whole grains with. Yeah, something sweet. So I'm thinking even like if you went down the path of having like a little snack of chickpeas and you put it and then you had a piece of fruit as well. Mm-hmm. You don't have to even put them together. You can have two little snacks separate that you don't actually eat um, on top of each other, for example. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then you can also obviously have, you know, your savoury snacks. Um, simple things mm. like, you know, a homemade dip. Or a, a shop bought one, but just be just do be mindful of the ingredient label there because a lot of them do have lots of sugar in. Um, with veggie sticks or something like that. Um, I again, I love celery with natural peanut butter. That's mm. delicious. Or hummus even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you know, I think just to have it on hand is a real is it just going to really be helpful also something i love doing um is just some natural greek yogurt with a sprinkle of cinnamon Mm -hmm. and the trick there is to not put too much cinnamon it's just the right it's the bliss point of the cinnamon (laughs) that you have to hit just enough to be sweet but not not too much so it turns spicy and that's a really delicious snack there and you can have you know a drizzle of, of raw honey on there too if you want to so you know I think the trick here, if you are the type of person who can do a gradual reduction as opposed to a, you know, a, a cold turkey, um, then I think the, the trick is don't have it feel like a forbidden mm. food, you know. There's, sugar is not the forbidden food. What we are doing is we are just being more mindful and more knowledgeable about when we choose to eat sugar. Yep. And trying and trying to have those sources of sugar that come packaged like Mother Nature intended for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, another really good trick as well, if you're trying to reduce how much sugar you're eating in your diet, is to try and reduce your sugar tolerance mm. because it's it has that you know addictive quality. Your tolerance to it increases the more you have of it. So, you know, I guess a lot of us are having very sweet breakfasts. Mm. Um, that's quite a traditional um, breakfast in Australia and probably in the UK as well. Mm. Um, but doing something as simple as swapping over to having more, you know, eggs or savoury breakfasts. Mm. Or if you are going to have something that is sweet, try not to add extra sugars and going for more things like adding cinnamon on, on yogurt, which goes on your muesli, like Cammy yeah. was just saying before. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's ideal because then what we're doing what um i try and encourage people to do is to is to mix it up with breakfast and and you know do a savory and a sweet alternative or you know see what works for you but have a bit of a balance and you know savory breakfast can be really easy and on the go as well i think a lot of the time people reach for a sweet breakfast thinking it'll be really fast yeah Yeah. they can grab and go with it and of course that's right um but you can also grab and go a savory you know so if you had if you wanted to have like avocado on toast or something 
you're going into the office, literally just take the bread and half an avocado, toast it and yep. smash it when you're there. Um, but the same goes for that sweet spot that, that Christy was talking about and trying to progressively lower our own. Mm. And what we can do there is when we're making our sweet breakfast, you know, say it's a birch and muesli or whatever, or a porridge or a yogurt bowl, if we're going to have fruit in there, then let's not add the honey. Mm. Let's have the fruit be the sweetness and add add you know extra sort of profiles of sweetness and crunch and flavour with nuts and mm. spices. Um, and the same goes for you know your birch and muesli. Why not sweeten it with some grated apple? Yep. Or maybe even you know some some chopped up um, unsulfured apricots or something mm. like that, and have that sweet punch come through every so often as opposed to having the whole thing just be really, really sweet. Exactly. And the thing is, it's looking at how can you get more bang for your buck? You know, I guess really like honey is not an unhealthy food, but it doesn't come with much else. There mm-hmm. are some very trace vitamins and minerals, but but when you add something like a dried apricot or a date or a prune or something into your porridge, you're adding so much more with the fiber that comes with it. Mm-hmm. What about, um, Cammy? what do you think about artificial sweeteners? Like a lot of people would say, oh, I'll just swap from Coke to Diet Coke as a, as a good swap. Yeah, no, for me, artificial sweeteners lie in the camp of no, not ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, even more so than table sugar. So I will, you know, if I'm making a birthday cake or something like that and I want my icing to be white, I will use caster sugar. Yes, yeah. Um, and I will use that way more quickly than I would ever use uh, you know a, an artificial sweetener like a equal or a, or mm. a sweet and low or, or a splendor um I would do the same like you look at yogurts for example and when you look at yogurts that have um low sugar versus high sugar for me personally I'd rather choose a yogurt that has a little bit of added sugar because perhaps I just really feel like a strawberry yogurt today I'd rather do that than have one that has an artificial you know sugar in it as opposed to the real sugar yeah and and it's not you know I think a lot of the time and and people did they went from the full sugar option to the diet option or the zero option thinking that they'd eliminated what was bad because sugar gets such a bad rep and it's true that we don't want to be drinking cans of coke which are laden with table sugar we don't want that we also don't want to be drinking cans of fizzy drinks that are laden with artificial sugars and there's a lot of research that's gone into that especially with aspartame which actually links it to an incredible amount of of conditions and serious symptoms that can be anything from headaches um to blurred vision, hearing loss, memory loss, anxiety attacks, fatigue, you know, really scary stuff, nausea, Mm. hyperactivity, GI disorders, so gastrointestinal disorders, PMS, mood changes and mood swings, insomnia. And I think even without, you know, reading the studies themselves, if you just listen to the word, the name, artificial sweetener, yeah. Why are we going to be eating anything that is artificial yeah. when we have a natural alternative? Um, so yeah, you know, I, I get quite I get quite fired up about mm. that because um, you know I, I think that the dangers are quite are quite significant, and I don't believe that there's any reason to be including no. them in our diet. 
there's a lot of new research coming out now, particularly around how it affects our gut microbiome, because mm. this is obviously a really exciting new area of research that we're just really uncovering. And because uh, originally a lot of people who switch to those diet drinks um, or diet foods, they lose weight initially, but then they tend not to be able to lose a whole lot more. And there's a question of whether that's actually changing the profile of bacteria that live in your gut and the way that then they message with other organs around the body and, and cause inflammation, essentially. So it's a, it's a really interesting area to keep watching. Um, but it's a food that I certainly wouldn't recommend that people be switching to yeah. as an alternative. Yeah. And another thing to really look out for for artificial sweeteners um, is chewing gum. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would be taking away the chewing gum and, you know, getting a mint if you really feel mm -hmm. like you need something um, and avoiding the, the fizzy drinks, the, the diet versions and those diet yeah. foods that are going to have these artificial sweeteners in them for sure. Have you read the back, Cami, before? It says, um, may have a laxative effect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just like alarm bells right there. We know that the artificial sweetener that they use, I think it's xylitol in a lot of them, um, has a laxative effect on your gut. So, um, yeah, be careful. Don't Definitely don't have too much of those. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what about, like, so, you know, we talked a lot about sugar and how it might affect us and then what we can do to start reducing sugar in our diet so but what I mean Cammy and I have also talked about how we still eat sugar mm. so how is it that you can still include sugar in your diet and still live a healthy lifestyle I think a lot of question, people question that yeah um, and and Cammy will probably the first be the first person to say it's about that 80 20 balance isn't it totally mm. totally I think it really is but I think I think it really is for most of us Mm. Um, it's one of those really bio-individual things like everything you know I, I will always be you'll be you'll be hearing me say this all the time bio-individuality bio-individuality um, and because I really believe it what does that exactly mean so that you? means that every single one of us is different and what works for me might not work for yeah, you yeah beautiful In so much the point that one man's food might be another man's poison and so that's why you will never hear me saying, you know, the best way to eat is mm. this or everyone should follow this type of diet or, you know, no one should ever do this. That should be alarm bells, shouldn't like if, if you've got anybody that you see online preaching a one size fits all diet, don't listen to that person because that's just not going to work for everybody. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And I don't think they've given the consideration to the people you know, the diversity of the people that we're going to be, um, you know, that we all are. Mm. We're all entirely different, entirely diverse. What works for you might not work for me. So all we can do is look at the baseline facts and, um, and work off those, which is why the only sort of generic recommendation that I will ever give is to eat lots of veggies. <laughs> yes, I knew that was coming. I yeah. would say the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, but yeah, so, you know, in the bio-individual sense, there will obviously be those of us who need to practically eliminate sugar from our diet because of that addictive effect, mm. because of maybe a, a deep-lying um, emotional connection um, and emotional eating um, and um, you know all sorts of different complex conditions that could be feeding into this, which might make sugar a real trigger for you. Mm -hmm. um, but if that is not the case... Um, then totally the 80 mm. 20 rule and enjoying things in their natural form and choosing nature first so 
Um, I would definitely, you know, just speaking from a personal point of view, I definitely have sweetness in my day pretty much every day. I do love sweets, um, but my sweet spot is very low. So, mm. and that, that has been a progressive thing for me. Do you get a lot of satisfaction out of just having something small, like a small portion of a sweet food? Well, more that the sweet food isn't so sweet. Yeah. Like a lot of the time people will, will taste a recipe of mine, they go, oh, that's really nice, but it's not that sweet. Mm. Because um, I will nearly always reduce the sugar quantity by to, to about one third of, the, mm. of a conventional recipe, whatever yeah. the conventional recipe would be. Mine would have about a third of the sugar content. That's such a good tip for people yeah. right now because, you know, it's during COVID-19, a lot of people are now baking at home. We're kind of picking up old um, hobbies like baking, but also gardening and things. But, um, you know, reducing the sugar that you use in your baking is such an awesome tip to help reduce sugar and your tolerance to sugar. Yeah, yeah. And that's again where that same tip with the breakfast bowl can come in. So, you know, if you're making a biscuit or whatever, um, rather than having the whole thing be very sweet mm. by using, you know, a lot of sugar, reduce the sugar to that one third or even one half, you know, just do it to your taste and it will re- it will reduce further over time. But then add in maybe a few, you know, apricots chopped up mm. or dates chopped up so that every so often you get that extra bit of texture, that chew, yeah. but it also comes with a beautiful punch of mm. sweetness with it as well. Um, it's a really good thing to do. And then obviously also choose your sugars. So um, I mentioned before I may use, you know, white cast sugar if I really want a white icing, um, but otherwise I, I wouldn't ever really use that and I would use something like a coconut sugar or a rapajira sugar um which is just a, a less refined yeah. um, version still definitely sugar um but it comes with that sticky molasses still on it um and a slightly lower GI because of it I think there's also a real beauty in making your own so that you know how much is going mm. in it but you also know the work and the time that it took to prepare something like a baked treat you know too often um we I guess buy things from the shelf and we just kind of forget about that but when you kind of see how much time it took to maybe make that cake you might not eat the entire thing in one go you might actually find that it's something you want to enjoy over you know a few days with your family and share it with other people like look what I made like you know and have that kind of family friends um joining you for that experience yeah yeah Mm. yeah I think that's beautiful and 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 totally right and there's also to mention there that the ingredients that matter aren't just the sugar and when you're making it at home you get to choose your flour, you get to choose mm. your, your butter or whatever other fat you're using, you get to choose the quality of your eggs, you know, you get to mix ingredients up and add some extra nutritional density in there. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll swap out an egg and I just use a chia egg mm. just because I want to put some chia seeds in there yeah. and why not? And I can. Yep. And um, yeah, you're just taking back that, that control and you um, get the kids involved as totally. well <laughs> yeah yeah is that fun or is it a disaster oh, no, it's wonderful I mean it's dirty you know it's messy I shouldn't say dirty it's not dirty it's messy but you know I embrace that and they embrace that and the older they get they you know they help clean up a bit more um good but, lessons yeah yeah but mm. we we have this thing it's been since birth so I'm lucky and then I don't ha- I haven't had to sort of revert back to that but you know we don't buy baked goods um, if they want them we make them mm. and so it's exactly that point of that you made that 
you know, if we're going to have biscuits, we've made them. Yep. We've got the ingredients out. We've ta- got to taste the, the mix. Mm-hmm. We've got to lick the bowl. And we feel pride. You know, the kids feel pride over those. And they want, you know, Papa to have some when he gets home. Or they want to go and share them with their friends at school or whatever. That's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And um. And I guess then the the other thing is is you know going back to that mindful eating aspect. So always bringing awareness to your why and listening into your body um, is such an important way to be aware of um, how you're feeling and what coping mechanisms you might be using. Whether that's you know food and I guess there's lots of different coping mechanisms that we might be using. So um, we hope you find that mindful eating tip really useful. And I think perhaps we should probably put a little journal up. Do you think, Cammy? Like maybe like a little for sure. Yeah, yeah mindful mindful eating diary. I think that people would really like to see what that looks like and have a go. Yeah, we'll do that in our show notes for hmm. sure. Okay, so I think we should wrap up. Yes. Yeah, so thanks everybody for listening. We hope you've really enjoyed that. We always love talking with each other and I actually learn so many things during the, our chats as well because this is very much like what Cammy and I would do. We would sit down, have a coffee mm. and just you know, blurt out all sorts of things. And so we hope that um, letting you guys in on that um, is really fun and exciting to listen to. So join us for our next episode, episode five, and that's going to be our bite-sized episode into mindful breathing. So what we're going to do there is we're going to have a look at a mindful breathing technique. I'm going to talk Christy through it, Mm. um, and it's a beautiful technique to use um, just to reconnect with yourself, to help balance stress levels, and that might also be a great tool to use if you are um, having challenges with mindful eating and sugar cravings too. Fantastic. So we'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening. We're so grateful for the time you've spent with us and can't wait to do it again. If you'd like to get in touch, please reach out to us via the Nourish, Nurture, Breathe Facebook or Instagram pages and check out nourishnurturebreathe.com for our show notes. And lastly, a little request from us. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your streaming platform of choice. It'll help so many others find our podcast. Thank you and until next time, remember to nourish, nurture and breathe every day.